0: Hello and welcome to Deep North, the official podcast of Iceland Review. In the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, governments throughout the world, Iceland included, flooded the market with easy credit to avoid a recession. This sharp increase in short-term liquidity, however, inevitably led to high rates of inflation, the effects of which we are still coping with. One of the ways in which these forces have been most keenly felt aren't mortgage payments, we're here today to talk with staff writer, Ragnar Tomas, about some key features of indexed and non-indexed loans in Iceland. So, Ragnar, um,
1: what's going on with mortgages in Iceland? Hi, Eric. Um, so, before we go any further, let's um, briefly rewind back to the uh, beginning of the pandemic. Um, as you can remember, in January, February... Warning signs were aloft. The COVID pandemic was approaching. Um, Economists in Iceland were expecting exports to decrease by as much as a third. Fewer tourists were arriving. And uh, the central bank in Iceland, like other central banks around the world, responds by lowering the interest rate, um, which essentially makes it cheaper for individuals and companies to borrow money. And Key interest rates in Iceland actually go as low as 0.75% in November of 2020. And so the question is, Eric, what do you do when um, there are social restrictions, incentives against traveling abroad, you're stuck at home, you're working from home? Any ideas?
0: Well, you know, maybe I either uh, take up baking sourdough bread uh,
1: or maybe I think about homeownership. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and, And most people tended to lean toward the latter. A latter option, um, and and so what you get the uh, the unintended consequence of of this whole thing is that you get increased demand, um, lower supply of housing. Construction workers aren't racing to build new homes. Um, migrant workers are maybe going back home. That whole thing slows down. Uh, a change in preferences among consumers. I mean, if you're living in a narrow, cramped two-bedroom apartment, maybe this is a time to think of trying to expand. And then you're also forced to save money since you can't spend it on movies or concerts or plane tickets abroad. And and then you have access to this cheap credit. So inevitably, prices rise. And that's what you get, uh, a sort of Boom in the real estate market in Iceland.
0: Okay, so as I understand it, um, indexed mortgages are pretty rare outside of Iceland, right? When we talk about a traditional non-indexed mortgage, you know that that really is kind of what a mortgage is in most of the rest of the world. Um, and so, indexed mortgages are a financial instrument that are you know maybe not totally unique to Iceland, uh, but they're pretty rare. You know, just what are some of the conditions that led to their
1: prevalence here in Iceland? Exactly. So, um, Iceland's history of mortgage lending uh, stretches back to the year 1900. So, you have Lansponky, the Lansponky Bank, uh, establishing its mortgage department in that year. And as noted in a report by the Housing Financing Fund, the mortgage department would play a significant role in the buildup of the city of Reykjavik and other population centers. However, due to a history of persistent inflation and high interest rates, which started especially in the 1970s, uh, which was a period when you saw something like 30 to 50 percent of inflation starting in 1974, um, Iceland gradually developed this mortgage system which was heavily reliant on index loans. And so during these inflation-heavy years, The general rise in prices would gradually eat up the loans, which would encourage irresponsible spending while also contributing to an unstable economy. And so index loans were this way of regulating the market that also improved public access to mortgages um, because banks considered them a a better investment. And so as a product, you essentially have these two different types of mortgages in Iceland, index loans, non-index loans, and then there's a hybrid of these two that are also available to the public.
0: Okay. So let me get this straight. You know, maybe it's in the seventies and I buy a home. So I make my down payment. uh, I kind of get locked into a certain monthly payment. And with this really, really, really high inflation rate, you know, 30 to 50%, uh, which is, I mean, really just unheard of, uh, a lot of the world is going through this stagflation uh, in the 70s uh, after the oil crisis. but So I get locked into this monthly payment, and then you have this extremely high inflation rate. And so actually over time, in theory, my wage is going up a lot and prices are going up a lot. And so actually my mortgage is really diminishing quite significantly. And so this really extreme inflation is actually making it in a way like really easy for me to buy a home and maybe... There are a lot of people investing in real estate that are maybe not always doing it the most responsibly and maybe this is kind of sort of driving a cycle of irresponsible investment
1: is is that is that kind of what was happening yeah and i guess more importantly it's the incentivizing financial institutions from lending money because if if inflation is eating up the loan why would you lend anyone any kind of money If you're not guarded against that inflation and especially if key interest rates rise in financial institutions and commercial banks would actually be incentivized with depositing their reserves with the central bank and earning an interest on that deposit as opposed to lending it out at a lower rate.
0: So maybe you can tell me about these mortgages. So we have the indexed mortgages, the non-indexed mortgages. And then from what I understand, there's also a kind of third hybrid uh, that kind of uses features of both. uh, But, you know, for the sake of simplicity, we can just talk about the two, indexed and non-indexed.
1: Right. So let's begin with index loans. Um, They're pegged to an index. That's where the name comes from. And in this instance, it's the Consumer Price Index. So um, Statistics Iceland, which is uh, an institute institution here in Iceland, which um, is tasked with measuring various key indicators within the economy, measures and calculates and publishes the Consumer Price Index on a monthly basis. And the fluctuations of the Consumer Price Index is factored directly into the lender's mortgage payments. So I think the draw of index mortgages, generally speaking, is that they offer lower initial payments, making it easier for buyers to qualify for a loan and um, to purchase more expensive property. However, as the uh, increase in the consumer price index is added to every payment remaining on the index loan, the principal may actually begin to rise despite the uh, the lender making monthly payments so yeah so
0: yeah uh, so if i understand it correctly um traditionally home ownership is talked about as a really really good investment because one of the things that home ownership does is that ideally it can insulate you from inflation to some extent so you know maybe uh, i buy a home i make my down payment uh, and i kind of lock myself into a you know my my monthly payments, uh, and in a traditional mortgage, um, even though the inf- interest rate might be fluctuating, um, in theory, because my monthly payment stays the same, it actually that staying the same actually goes down over time as inflation drives drives up my wage. So maybe a good metaphor for thinking about this is like a treadmill. So with A non-indexed traditional mortgage, uh, I kind of get on the treadmill and it stays the same speed. But as I kind of get faster, as I get stronger, it's less difficult for me to keep up with the treadmill. Uh, With the indexed, with the inflation indexed treadmill, that treadmill keeps on going faster. So in a way, you have like no choice
1: but to keep up with the treadmill Is that kind of like the right way of thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could simplify it even more than that. Like, I mean, you could take out your savings from the bank in cash form and stick them underneath your pillow. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) with inflation, uh, that total amount of savings is going to dwindle over time. That's just the nature of money. But if you invest in real estate, then um, you can be, relatively certain that the price and the value of the home, the real estate that you've invested in will rise with inflation, which is another way of saying that purchasing real estate is a good way of insulating yourself against inflation in some sense. Um, But I think when you, when you're talking about these two different loans, um, the important thing is to note that the index loan is a way of insulating yourself against sort of immediate um, an immediate rise in interest rates. So you could take out a loan for 30 million krona. And even if the inflation rate shoots up by 5 or 6%, as we've seen here in Iceland, the monthly payments are not going to increase. What is going to increase is the principal, however. Um, on the other hand, you have non-index loans, which, as we've mentioned, are more familiar to Americans or Europeans other <laughs> normal economies uh, with a, a slightly more stable, larger currency than here in Iceland, where you, um, the monthly payments are higher to begin with uh, and you will own your home sooner, but you're more immediately vulnerable to rising interest rates, which is exactly what we've seen here in Iceland. Uh, I think a, a third of the loans signed during the pandemic were non-index mortgages. Um, and of course, that looks great on paper when the interest rate is hovering below 1%. But as soon as it begins to rise, the monthly payments begin to rise as well. And so what you do, what you have is is a real squeeze on lenders and households who maybe now are facing monthly payments that are upwards of 100,000, 200,000 kroners higher than when they signed the loan initially. Sure.
0: And (laughs) as I understand it, maybe another dynamic at play here um, is between younger people who are maybe entering the housing market for the first time and people who are maybe a bit more established. Because obviously, this kind of lower cost of entry uh, to the indexed mortgage might be a bit more attractive to like a young family who's starting out, a first-time home buyer. It's just kind of easier to get your foot door into uh, your your foot in the door of your home uh, and and home ownership. Um, but you know, I mean, like in some sense, the non-indexed mortgage, uh, because it's in a way harder to pay off, but in the long term, easier as a total financial burden there's maybe a way in which that's kind of uh, favoring people who are more established already.
1: Yeah. I mean, that must definitely be the case. Okay. So
0: let's get concrete. Um, You know, maybe I'm looking at a house. Um, Let's just say for a nice round number, it's a hundred million kroner. Um, I believe that the bank requires at least like a 17% down payment. Uh, so, you know, let's just pretend like I make a down payment of 17 million kroner. Uh, the bank loans me 83 million kroner to buy my house. Then what? Like, w- what are my payments going to look like with an indexed loan and a non-indexed
1: loan? Right. So if you sign an indexed loan, secure a loan, a mortgage for 83 million kroners, your monthly payments... Will be somewhere around three hundred thirty-five thousand krona a month, but so that's like pretty reasonable, actually. Pretty at, reasonable. G- mean, given, the the yeah. <laughs> given the size of the loan, for a hundred million krona home, given the size of the loan, that sounds pretty reasonable. <laughs> However, if you take a look at um, any mortgage lending calculator online, you'll see that the total cost of the loan will come out somewhere around one point three billion. Icelandic krona, which... Billion with a B. With a B, yes. Okay. So you're going to be paying the uh, principal of that loan, well, 10 times over Yeah. to keep it simple. Um, Whereas if you sign a non-index loan, the monthly payments will be significantly higher. Um, You'll be paying almost twice that, not quite, but say 570,000 kroners Mm -hmm. a month. But the total loan cost will be a lot lower, so we're talking maybe 260 million kronas. So three times as opposed to 10 times. Um, and we actually have some concrete um, examples from people who signed non-index and index loans during the pandemic. So say that in April of 2021, you secured a loan for 31 million krona. Um, now, during that time, your monthly payments may not have increased despite the uh, increase in, the, in key interest rates among the central bank. So you'll still be paying, say, 100,000 kroners a month. However, the principal of the loan has risen to $34 million. So even though you've been paying off the loan for well over a year, you're not making any headway as far as the principal is concerned, which is maybe okay. Um, as far as monthly payments are concerned. Uh, the inflation is rising, the cost of living is, is going up, but at least you're pretty secure knowing that, well, this particular item in your household budget isn't rising precipitously. Um, but if you compare that to a non-index loan, say that you took out a non-index mortgage of 30 million kroners in 2021, and um, uh, a, a Points, a percentage point increase in key interest rates will mean that your monthly payments will rise by 25,000 kroners, so almost $200 a month. And given that we've seen the key interest rate rise from 0.75% to where it is now, 6%, you could just do quick math on that to figure that, well, if you have a 30 million crown loan that you signed last year, you're going to be paying at least 125,000, 150,000 more today than you were last year. If right. the size of your loan was 50 or $60 million, it's almost twice that, which is easy to see how households who maybe were on a tight budget before that are, are struggling now.
0: Yeah, you know, it might be like a really simple image, but I guess the first thing that I kind of think of, um, you know, sometimes you see people talking about how it's more expensive to be poor. And, you know, obviously you don't have to be poor uh, to you know one own a home um but you know like like a, like a common example that like a lot of people talk about is just like a good pair of shoes right because like a good pair of shoes is like a higher initial investment in a a higher initial investment you know maybe you want to get something like handmade like made out of leather but you know like that pair of shoes is just going to be a lot more money up front um but ultimately that pair of shoes might last you like 10 15 years if it's a really good pair of shoes um, you know but what if you just don't have the upfront money for the really good pair of shoes well you know like you get a worse pair and it's cheaper to kind of like get the pair of shoes but in the long run maybe it's actually not as good an investment um and you know like like that's definitely kind of simplifying all of these things a lot cuz like there's so much more going on but you know, to kind of also just uh, yeah, to I ground mean, <laughs> it a little bit. I feel like that's like a good image maybe.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's why uh, Warren Buffett doesn't pay insurance on any of his real estate because why would he? <laughs> if there's a fire, he'll just buy another house. There's no need to <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> load yourself with the premiums. So it's maybe not the most
0: cheerful picture that's being painted here. Um, you know, I mean, I just remember uh, like a month or two ago just seeing all these headlines about, you know, people's, mortgage payments, you know, basically just going up like one, two hundred thousand practically overnight. Um, You know, maybe you can just briefly say, like, how are people dealing with this? How is this affecting people? And what's being done?
1: Yeah. So the central bank issued a memorandum in November in which they sort of provided an overview of the state of mortgages in Iceland. And um, according to the memo, mortgages had increased an average of maybe 13 to 14,000 kroners a month um, from, say, I think it was beginning of 2020 until August of this year, which doesn't sound like a lot. But the, um, the point is, is that this is an average and it varies wildly between the kind of mortgage that an individual signed. So as we've seen from the media, um, a lot of people who sign non-index loans are struggling with higher Payments, and there's been reports that some people have been refinancing, moving towards index loans, and index loans are becoming more popular again, which is problematic um, for one reason, as economists have pointed out, and has been uh, one of the reasons that they've wanted to ban index mortgages, is because index mortgages are immediately impervious to the central bank raising key interest rates.
0: Right, because when so when the central bank kind of sees a lot of inflation and the economy kind of overheating, like the fire hose that they have is raising interest rates. Right. Right. So those raising interest so those rising interest rates are what has been affecting the non-index loans. Exactly. And that's been pushing people into the indexed loans, which then we have this kind of like virtuous cycle, <laughs> I guess, but yeah, I mean, so <laughs> where, <what> the,
1: <laughs> you know, nah, nah. In, in very basic terms, if, if, if the central bank is, is, um, raising interest rates, it's to slow down demand to bring down prices. And if you're raising interest rates, trying to slow down demand, um, that's highly functional. If someone has a non-index mortgage and their monthly payments are rising, You'll necessarily have to spend less money on other goods and services. However, if you're locked into an indexed loan and the monthly payments aren't rising as a result of key interest rates rising, then maybe you have less of an incentive to not go out and buy all the things that you do. And that keeps up demand. Companies, producers of goods and services can continue to raise prices. Sure. Makes Um,
0: sense. You know, I've also seen maybe some suggestions that indexed loans ought to be phased out. Do you have
1: any updates on that? Uh, as far as I know, there is no committee in parliament, no bill in the works for banning indexed loans, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, obviously, this has been a pretty extreme um These have been pretty extreme times for index mortgages with the interest rate rising so precipitously. So maybe um, over the coming months, we see some movement in that department. And Reykjavik in general
0: is maybe notorious as not the most affordable city. Um, Affordable housing has been a problem in Reykjavik for a long time. Is there anything being done about that?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that was one of the big campaign issues earlier this year, um, uh, during this spring's municipal elections that we saw the Progressive Party maybe in particular, come forth and, and promise that you know, they were going to build more housing. And I think I'm not mistaken in saying that more affordable housing. Um, but I, I think generally speaking, that's proven a little harder than maybe they' they'd have hoped. Um, and then we also see people who are renting have been struggling, especially during these past years, that, you know, that, that renting in Iceland and in the Reykjavik area is, is difficult. Well, thank you, Ragnar. All right, Eric, one more question before we leave. Uh, a reader of Iceland Review recently submitted a question asking, why are there so many swans in Iceland?
0: Good question. Uh, Iceland is home to many migratory birds that breed here in the summer and then winter abroad. Uh, you know, Iceland's bird life is really renowned for its diversity, and a lot of travelers come here just for the sole purpose of seeing bird cliffs like Laufjökull and uh, Grimsey. Um, and there's, you know, actually just one little corner of the Highlands, uh, Thjósavat, um, which is actually one of the most important breeding grounds uh, in the entire world for pink-footed geese. And the same is true for swans, uh, which have really important breeding grounds in Iceland. Uh, the swan native to Iceland is known as the whooper swan in English, alft in Icelandic. Uh, you see this in place names like alftanas and uh, alftavacht. Um, actually, up until the 20th century, though, uh, like a lot of people would actually catch swans uh, to eat them, uh, but they have since been protected. Uh, to this day, Iceland uh, counts around 30,000 swans, actually, with three to 4,000 breeding pairs. Um, Icelandic swans will tend to mostly summer in the UK, uh, some in Scandinavia and mainland Europe, um, some of them in North Africa. Uh, however, about a 10th of them do actually winter here in Iceland. Um, and you know, as many, uh, travelers have noticed, you can also find them in the Reykjavik pond.
1: Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, Iceland's longest running English language magazine focusing on nature, politics, and community. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts.